at Freedom Point. Let me just say something to you. Thank you for being out today. Uh, my name is Cheryl Steele Tinsley, and I want to tell you a little bit for you all that are, well, I tell you what, my husband's down here. You see the blind guy right here? See him? All right. All right. You can see him, but he can't see you, okay? And these, this other handsome man, his name is Jeff. He's my youngest son. He's single, ladies. All right. So anyways, all right. Okay. So let me tell you this. So many of you, how many of you have joined since September of last year? Okay, let me just say this. When you see us, he won't bite, I promise, okay? I'll take care of him if he does, all right, okay? Um, but when you come up to him, say, hey, Brad, um, you know, he can't see you. He's uh, obviously, he lost his eyesight about 11 years ago to retinitis pigmentosis. He was a pharmacist. He was born with RP. He also has Usher syndrome. So if you come up to him and you're like, hi, Brad, he won't hear you. Just say, hey, Brad, and stick your hand out and grab his and say, how you doing? And tell him who you are, okay? Um, because like I said, listen, everybody's got a disability, but that doesn't mean an ability. You know that? And uh, so please do that. And my name is Cheryl Steele Tinsley. I don't know all your names, so when you come and see me, say, hey, Cheryl, I've been here such and such. He had some major back surgery in the fall, and we were gone for about three months because he couldn't bend, lift, or twist. So I apologize if I don't know you. But let me, let me just say to you, everybody look at me. Stand up for a minute. Okay, ready? I'm from Detroit. I want you to do this. The next person next to you say, hey, you're going to be blessed. Say it. Man, you guys are sad. Shake their hand and say, God's going to bless you. All right, say, so you're going to be blessed because God's in the house. And listen to me. Tell them this right now. Say, you're here for a reason. And you are. Please sit down, all right? All right. If you'll do me a favor for just a second, I'm going to, I know the Lord is here. I've felt him. And uh, would you pray for a second and pray for me? Father, thank you for this day, Lord. Thank you for these folks here. I know they're here, Lord, because you want them to hear a word of what you can mightily do. Lord, take me out of the way. Holy Spirit, take over. Rush through a mighty wind and let us know, Lord, that you are alive and well. In Jesus' name, amen. All right. Well, let me tell you a little bit about me. First of all, you're going to hear a story that's pretty amazing. I walk through it and sometimes I have to look and say, man, you walked through that, right? But it's only because of God. Secondly, I want to tell you, I am not a porcelain doll. Okay, when you hear this, I have a sense of humor. If I did not, I would not be here today. So laugh and cry. You will not hurt my feelings. The first time I spoke in chapel at Cornerstone University at 20 to about 900 people, I had to turn around. I cried a little bit, turned back around and said, I am one of you speaking to your peers. And I said, don't do this. Don't put me in a box and go, mmm, shalom, shalom. You know, mmm, shalom, shalom. Don't do that, right? Okay, I'm not going to break. Because you know what? We're all in this game called life. And you know what? We all have storms. And I'm going to tell you about my storm. But before I do that, now, a few decades later, I knew I was supposed to write this book about two decades ago. I was raising children. My husband was working. I'm a teacher at Corbin High School. This is my 30th year. Shout out to where my kids are at. Where are my kids I've had? Woo! Woo! Say hi. There's my kids, all right? Anybody under 30 is my kids, but I think probably in my teaching, I've had over 5,000 kids I've been blessed to do. So I want to say to you, thank you for coming out. And I am a high school teacher. That's how I was born to be, okay? 
I knew at sixth grade if you read the book. And when I got to be 19, let me go ahead and tell you, I worked at a place called Lake Ann Camp. Has anybody been to Michigan? Anybody know a little bit about Michigan, maybe been up there? Okay. Lake Ann is up, and I'll show you in just a minute, in Traverse City. I've been trying to talk to Pastor Sean and our wonderful youth directors, but Lake Ann was, what I'm going to show you right now, was not what it was over three decades ago, okay? God has blessed the camp, but I want to tell you the ministry that I have in the summer, about 1,500 uh, students that I work with for about three weeks up at Lake Ann. And so go on up here. This is me. This is on the back of the book. My good friend Lynn Stivers is here. Lynn went up the first time with me, and she said, wow, Michigan's beautiful. This is up at Sleeping Bear Dunes National Seashore. If you uh, look it up, I should say Lakeshore. This is on Lake Michigan with about 35 reborn rangers that I work with at camp. The next one is us clowning around. If you're my student, you know I'm not always very serious at all. You know, I am what I am, but I have fun, okay? And this is up looking on Lake Michigan back behind there, and that was this July, all right? Um, I believe, just like Pastor Sean does, that as Christians, we serve a God that owns everything. So why don't we go first class with our students, you know, and for anybody that wants to step into our doors. All right, I'm going to take you back over here right now, all right? I'm going to pop you back to when I was 19. I know I still look good, but, you know, I was 19, all right, okay? All right, so I lived, my parents, how many of you are from Barberville? Anybody from Barberville? Barville, I got to get it right, okay? And then how many are, know anybody right on the border of Gray and Corbin? Well, my daddy was from Gray. He was a farmer, um, and his, my grandparents were, and my mom was from Barberville. And in the 50s, like so many young people here in, in uh, this area of Kentucky, we didn't have a lot of jobs. So they went north to Michigan. We settled right outside of Detroit, Michigan. And by the way, um, for you folks online, good morning. I know I have a few people from different states. God bless you to my siblings. I love you. Uh, Joanne, Carolyn, Linda, and Jim. Okay. Well, we were down here, okay, uh, in Detroit, outside of Detroit. How many of you have ever been to, a, to suburbs of Detroit? Like, I was from Corbin. I, I'm from Corbin now, but I was from Michigan uh, in the area with all those suburbs, Livonia. I was raised in Allen Park. I went to school in Grand Rapids. I knew Lord was calling me to go into teaching, and it's called Cornerstone University, if you look it up. And now, I got to tell you, my, my younger brother next to me has passed away, but we come from a family of six. How many of you know my parents were blue-collar workers? I love General Motors. Woo, woo, woo. I still drive General Motors. Uh, my mom and dad would probably slap me in the face if I drove anything else. I'm a General Motors baby, okay? Born and raised, okay? You don't bite the hand that feeds you. But when you have six kids on a blue-collar salary, you don't do a lot of things. How many of you understand what I mean? Beans and potatoes, hey, good, the good stuff, all right? I never went camping other than my backyard. I never went rafting other than my friend's pool, okay? I never did all of that, but I love the outdoors. I love to be close to God. And so I was down there in April of my 19th year. I just finished my uh, fr uh, freshman year. It was actually starting in sophomore, I should say. And I met a guy named Eldon Brock. How many of you have read the book? Eldon was the exec, thank you. Eldon was the executive uh, uh, director of our whole camp, okay? So Eldon was there, and here's this little 19-year-old kid that comes to him, and I'm looking, and they have jobs, and it says, hmm, wilderness director, assistant, I mean, assistant wilderness director. And I thought, well, you don't have no counselors, you know, I'm not a lifeguard yet. 
Um, and so I said, well, I'd like to apply for this. And he looked at me, and I'll never forget it. He said, young lady, um, what experience have you had in camping? I thought, oh, Lord, I can't lie to this guy. I said, well, you know what? I got a big backyard, and I can put up tents like you won't believe, all right? And he's like, hmm. And then he said, have you ever river raft? Have you ever done any rafting? I said, sir, I said, if you count uh, a bathtub, a big bathtub of a friend's pool, we put together hunk fin, little popsicle sticks and floated them, I'm your woman, I'm your girl. And he laughed, and I thought, man, I have just blown this. And I looked at him, and I said, Mr. Brock, I love the Lord. I want to be outside, and if you'll hire me, I guarantee you I'm a fast learner. He said, okay, put your number down, and about two weeks later, he called me. He said, Cheryl, how would you like to work at Lake Ann? I said, I'd love to. I went out of Michigan, never had been into a pretty area, but Lake Ann is up about 13 miles from Traverse City, up in the mid. Prettiest thing I'd ever seen. Now, that next slide I'm going to show you, this is what we did. That summer, my job was, and I got, I got paid for it, I got to bike and take young people all around the upper part right by Leland there, and you can see it right there. We backpacked into a place called Drummond Island that you're going to hear about, and then that's me on top and we're down the mighty Pine River, although it doesn't flow real hard. And we would take kids, and instead of staying on camp, we would take like a youth group, if uh, you all brought up a youth group, and you said to us, hey, this is what we want. We would take these kids out in nature. We'd do about uh, almost 200 miles back, I mean, I'm sorry, biking a day, uh, or a week, I should say, and then we'd do the, um, the Pine River, and then we'd also do up at Drummond. So we did that that summer, and it was a great summer. We had tons of people. Um, that came to camp, and we had many young people that were saved. And I need to stop right there and tell you, anybody under 30 here, you guys are kids to me. All right, remember something. We didn't have phones. How many that are over 40 understand we didn't have phones? Okay? So you couldn't call and do all that stuff. All we had was walkie-talkies. So this is up in Michigan. I, I worked that year. The next year, Eldon said, Cheryl, would you like to come back? So I came back in the next slide there. And there we are, and uh, I'm going to introduce you to some people. This is actually the first summer. This is me and the guy back there you can see in a hat. You'll see him in just a minute. And a guy named Jeff Tindall and Dwight Hirschberger and I worked that first summer. Dwight came back the next summer. Jeff couldn't, so it was Dwight, Jeff and I, I mean, I'm sorry, Dwight, me, and a guy named Mark Tauby that my friend, um, my friend Dwight, he was an English teacher at Jackson. And so he was awesome. So he brought one of his students that had just graduated. So that was us. So I come back, and then the next summer, go ahead, you can turn the slide. I want to introduce you to Michigan so you can understand what I have up here. Look at the Great Lakes there. It's not like Lake Laurel Lake. And first of all, I want to say I love the water. I've had jet skis. We're on our second boat. My kids learned to swim when they were about a year old. I love the water. I have no fear of water. Okay, and so up there in the Great Lakes, it's different. How many of you have been on Laurel Lake or Cumberland? Beautiful. We live in a beautiful area. When I teach, some of my kids are like, Miss T, why don't you just swim all the way across? Well, it's kind of big. Let's go to the next one, okay? All right, take a look right now up there, the statistics of Lake Huron. Just take a look for a minute. I can't swim that far, Okay. And so I'm going to tell you a story now that happened up there at Lake Huron. Remember I talked to you about going to Drummond Island. The next year, we came back. We did five weeks wonderful. Did all those different 
programs I was telling you about. And now it was kind of the week right before 4th of July, right into 4th of July, I should say. And we had a huge group from Lapeer, Michigan coming, and we were going to take these young people out. However, on Saturday, the pastor called and said, my youngest brother's been killed in a very bad motorcycle accident. We cannot bring the kids. So we had a free week. So Dwight asked Eldon, Eldon, can we go up? Can I show you the next slide here? Um, can we go up now up into across the, uh, uh, the bridge, the Mackinac Bridge, and up into Drummond Island, and let's take about five days and explore that because we would take canoes there with our kids, and there were inlet lakes. Now, if you take a look at that on there, there's Lake Huron. It's the fifth largest freshwater lake in the world. The average temperature... July in Lake Huron is 50 degrees. Did you just hear what I said? 49 to 50 degrees that July, okay? Now look up above there and you're gonna see the North Channel and you'll see a little picture of um, like a little ranger station. We went across and into Drummond right there and then you can see on the other side it says Ontario, okay? And there's an island called Cockburn Island that's over to the right between the channel there, okay? So that's where we went. So we left Monday morning I, I had to take a girl with me because, you know, Dwight um, and Mark are two guys and Eldon didn't want, you know, this, us not to have equal. And they were just like brothers to me. I said, fine. Well, I met a girl in Cornerstone University, a wonderful lady. You can read in the book a little bit about her. Her name was Sally Kuhn. So Sally was a counselor and the numbers were low and she came with me. So on Monday morning, we took off and you can go to the next one there. And we went up into this area now, Drummond Island. We went across and there's a bridge there and you can see where the little dots are at. We were right about where the D is at, okay? And then Cockburn is in Ontario, Canada, okay? This is a beautiful primitive island, okay? Very, very nice. Um, it's just, if you like the outdoors, it's gorgeous. There's not a lot of people there today when you look it up, there'd be much more. Uh, and so we went up there and here it was on Monday. Now let me stop for just a second. We checked the weather report. We did not have a constant, you know, phone with us, okay? We checked. There was supposed to be no storms through that area. It was supposed to be in the 80s every day. And we took two canoes like you see here. And I want to thank Judy at Corbin High School. Um, she, she got this canoe for me. Our canoe was very similar except maybe about right here. It was a 14-foot aluminum canoe. We had two of them, okay? How many of you have seen these old wooden paddles? We had the wooden paddles, okay? And really thing I absolutely hate, and ours was much more beat up. We had these old orange life jackets. How many of you have seen these before? This is mine, all right? <laughs> we don't do with the preem there. There it is. Okay, so we went up there, took two canoes, had a wonderful time. We went and portaged those lakes, so let me explain what that is. How many of you have ever canoed or kayaked? I know Lynn and I kayak. Um, we have a boat in Grove Marina, and we have kayaks out there, my family and her stuff. And so we took these aluminum canoes and we portage the lakes. What that means is I would go to a lake and then I might take this, get it out when the lake stops, take it about 25 to 50 yards and step into another lake. Drummond Island is absolutely gorgeous. So we were spotting these lakes and one of the lakes um, was supposed to kind of be there but it didn't join. So we got to a point where it couldn't join and we couldn't come back. And so what we had to do in the next slide here, I'm gonna show you. This is Marblehead. We got on Thursday morning to Marblehead, and those rocks you can belay and repel. 
okay? You know, with my body, I'm not going to do too much of that, all right? Okay, I'm not a little skinny one, all right? And so we did that, had a great time, all right? And we ate lunch, and it was right about noon. Take a look. That's what the sky looked like that day. Not a cloud in the sky. So then the next one that they'll do, I'll show you. This is where we put in it. This is Marblehead when you walk down. There's like a rocky shore there. And we're going to go out now and go to the left, and we're going to stay parallel to Drummond Island. We're not going out. We're staying around the bay as close as we can, and we're going to go about 10 miles and come across to this next site that I'm going to show you. And you can see up there Pilot's Cove. We're down about to the end of the red there. We're going to come around that, go across the channel now, clip into almost looks like a little wave, and come into Pilot's Cove, and our uh, van is around uh, Sturgrave's right there, okay? So we're going to spend the night. So we get up there. We go eat that morning. It's gorgeous. So it's around 12 o'clock now that we take off, and we get in the canoes, and we go right down that side, okay? Now, as we're going down the side, it's gorgeous, y'all. I mean, we probably paddled for two hours maybe, okay? It was just gorgeous. You know, we were taking our time, staying low. Weren't up more than 50 yards offshore, okay? And then we're just coming up a little bit, not quite to where it says North Channel right there. Uh, and then the next slide. And then I see a cloud in the distance. Now, this cloud looks pretty wicked, but it seems very far off to me. And so we're like, okay, we better paddle a little faster. And then a few minutes came, folks, and it went boom, the lightning. This, this storm rolled in. It rolled in off of that North Channel like faster than I have ever seen. I mean, it rolled in. The wind was coming in. How many of you ever been outside where you have sheets of rain that go sideways? That was what was coming into us, sideways. Now, we're in these canoes, okay? And so I am in the back now. We had ourselves tied off. Dwight and, uh, Dwight and um, Sally are over here. I'm up front with Mark right here, and he's in the back. Now, we've all got paddles, and they're like, kind of like this, but a little bit bigger. And we're paddling and trying to get it. Well, how many of you have ever been in Myrtle Beach or down by the ocean when a storm sets in? That was what Lake Huron was like, okay? And here what's happened. You see this up here? My uh, student, Maria, is here, and she helped me. I wanted you to get an idea of the waves. I want you to take a look at this. I'm about, well, I got a little heels on, but I'm about 5'4", okay? The waves that came in, folks, I mean, that storm came in within five to seven minutes. We had three to five-foot waves on us. And now, how many of you ever been in the ocean and you feel that current? You ever been standing there and all of a sudden you look and you're down at your toes and then all of a sudden you're up by your knees? Well, that's what was happening. The tide was turning, the undertow was taking, and this storm wheeled into the North Channel like nothing I've ever seen. And within minutes, we had three to five foot waves that were capping at us, just like in the ocean. All right, Mark's back there frantically trying to get back to shore. I'm here with a bucket trying to throw stuff out and we can't do it. The, the, it's just too much. The, the, you know, it's just, it's just coming in over us, okay? And so a few minutes passed, and we knew we were sinking. Now, I want to say that my friends and I were Christians. We loved the Lord. We were serving at a Christian camp. But I can assure you, folks, that you're not sitting here by accident. You are not here 
hearing this middle-aged middle lady by accident. So clear your mind for a minute and listen to how mighty our God is. All right? Listen. How many of you have ever been in a life-death situation? All right. You'll understand. Okay? You'll absolutely understand. Okay. So all of a sudden, these, this canoe, the water is just coming in. This bucket, there's no use. I mean, it is busting us all around just like that. And we're going down. And Dwight's real close to us. We had a little rope. And we had these over. I refuse to put this over my head. But we had this over here. And as we were going down, I hear right, Dwight say, Oh, Lord, please help us. We're in a hard situation. Oh, Lord, please help us. There was no panic. But you know what? I didn't, I didn't shut my eyes, man. I cinched this puppy up. I was going down, and let me tell you what you heard in Lake Huron on a Thursday afternoon. This is all you heard. Oh, oh. Oh. When we hit that water, 50 degrees, we, su we sunk down, and an aluminum canoe, do you know how many of you know it won't sink? It goes about six inches. So imagine this in the water now, and it's six inches down, and our, both our canoes are down, okay? And here's the next thing that we did, okay? All right, see this paddle right here? We tried to take one of the canoes and jimmy it up over and flip it up like you can see those people in the pool, and we lodged this underneath on a wooden canoe, I mean the wooden ones, to pull it. Now, I remind you, you got wind and waves coming, okay? And when we did that, we broke one of the oars. The other one broke. I can remember that like it was yesterday. And then when it came up, we finally flipped it, but you still had the winds and waves. And folks, I can remember this like yesterday. The wind come through that North Channel with the waves and howling, and it took that 14-foot aluminum canoe and flipped it through Lake Huron like it was a toothpick, just like I flip a toothpick right at Jeff. It took that canoe and flipped it. That was what that storm was. This storm I learned later on was a freak storm in that North Channel, and it stayed, now you ready for this? It stayed in that channel for nine hours. Nine hours. 40-degree water. Now, let me stop for just a minute. How many of you have ever been so cold you've gone into hypothermia a little bit? You ever done that? Like if you're outside, I'm from Michigan, if you stay outside pastor too long, you'll be like, woo, you know, shaking, okay? Or after that, then you stop shaking, and then you get a little warm, and because God made us, that all of our blood goes into the organs here, okay? That's your second stage of hypothermia, okay? If you go into the third stage of hypothermia, like Brooke is down here right now, I would be looking at Brooke, and if Brooke went into the third stage of hypothermia, she would say, Cheryl, doesn't that beach look really good? And she's sitting in Freedom Point Church of God right now because she is now hallucinating. It is called the silent killer. In the fourth stage, if, if Brooke went that far, it's going to be hard to turn back because that's the last stage. I would look straight at her. The eyeballs, her pupils would be dilated. She would look straight at me, and eventually she would go into almost a coma state, and she would snore, and she would freeze to death and die. That's what hypothermia is. The average life expectancy of hypothermia is three to five hours. Folks, I outlived it twice. I was in that water close to 16 hours. Now, let me tell you the rest of the story. Let's go to the next one. And my, my folks here, I believe all of us outlived it almost twice. Okay. All right. So this is a storm on Lake Huron. 
So I want you to picture this for a minute. They had the fog machine on, and I thought, how appropriate, because it was so foggy. Now, you got to remember, when we went down, I first of all want to tell you, we were not dumb. We knew, what we, were, we knew it was cold. We knew if we did not get help or a boat come by or a fisherman or a plane, that we would be spending the night out there. And we knew, folks, that if God chose to take us home, we would see him July the 4th, real early in the morning. So when we were there, we prayed. I wanted so bad to see my, uh, my brothers and sisters and my mom and dad and my nephews and nieces. We would pray. We would ask God to forgive us. We would pray for our family members. Have you ever been so desperate that you quit playing games? How many of you ever done that? You quit playing games. And you know what? We all had sins. And I want to stop right there. You might think, oh, this woman's been such Christian. You know what? And God has blessed my life. But if you think that Cheryl Steele Tinsley is not a sinner, then you're wrong. I am a sinner just like anybody else. There is nothing that you have done that God will not forgive you. Don't you ever think that. You cannot go far enough from God that he will not be right there with you. Now, you can throw him out. The Holy Spirit, the Holy Spirit's a gentleman. He's not going to push you over. You can say, get the you-know-what out of my life. But you know what? He's still going to be there. And let me tell you what, folks. I didn't see him, but he was on Lake Huron that night. I could feel his presence. So let me tell you the rest of the story. Now we're out there, the sun goes down. It is such a black night. I mean, it's almost like the fog machine thousand times, Nicholas. You could see the mist that was hovering over you. And the only thing we could see up there was a dently faded North Star. It was so thick that like if I stood over here by Pastor Sean, I could not even see that far from him. I could only see from the back of the canoe where I was at, up here to where Sally was at, maybe a foot, okay? So here's what we did. When we could not, I mean, that canoe left, we grabbed it on either side right here, folks, and we started paddling toward Drummond. And we were dog paddling because we lost our canoe. I mean, we lost our paddles. We broke them. Um, the other canoe was way gone. I didn't even see it. And our backpacks floated off. And we were laying right up against this and holding on and paddling for dear life back to Drummond. But you can't go against wind and waves like that. And we paddle, I swear to goodness, 12 feet, and it would knock us back 14 feet. I cannot tell you time because our watches stopped when we went down. But I know we did that for a good hour. I don't know how long, maybe an hour and a half, and Dwight said, stop. We need to conserve our energy. You have to understand something. When you're in degree water like that, you cannot stop moving. If you do, you will die. So you have to constantly be moving. Anybody a lifeguard in here? You have to scissor kick up. Okay, I see. You have to scissor kick up because that waves and wind would slap you because I'm underneath. Now, you've got to remember, only thing here is my hand. The only thing above it is my head. And you would have to, you would have to literally scissor kick to pull yourself up so that wave would not slap you against that canoe. And you would keep it doing it. And that, that storm surged, and then it would die down a little bit, and then it would surge. But it was in the North Channel. So somewhere around 12 o'clock, I cannot tell you exact time, I was here, over here was Mark, right over there was Dwight, and Dwight and I worked together before, and there's Sally. Dwight turns around, he says, Cheryl, do you see that? Do you see that over there? And they'll show you the next thing, okay? 
Do you see that lighthouse on, on Cockburn Island? We're aiming toward the channel. We're going across the channel. He looks back. He says, Cheryl, when we get there, go south. I said, yeah, I will. I will, Dwight, when we all get there. And then we just kept trying to stay above, and the storm would surge. It was probably around 1 o'clock, and all of a sudden I noticed that Sally, her, she wasn't, you know, she wasn't moving as much, and she let go, folks. And she drifted off into Lake Huron. I yelled at Mark. I said, Mark, grab her. He swam over. Dwight was not in any condition right now. And she went off, folks, and we couldn't, we couldn't hear her. We're like, Sally, come back, Sally. But, you know, at that time, we didn't know how much she was in a stage of hypothermia because you couldn't see like that, okay? And we're yelling, Sally, come back, come back. But Mark couldn't just go out there and not come back because this is the only thing we had to hang on to. So we yelled for Sally, but we didn't hear anything. A little time passes, and I noticed Dwight is not as coherent as he normally is. And I said to Mark, Mark, let's get him in the canoe. So Mike, or, or Dwight was probably about 180 pounds. We got him in the canoe. The only difference here is we had a little bit of a seat in the middle because there were three seats when we had the campers at the small little lake at Lake Ann. And um, so we got him in here and sat him. And Mark went on one side, I went on the other side, and we tried to talk to him. Now, you got to remember, we've been in this now, if you're counting. We went, started a little after 12, went down a little bit before 2, and now it's probably around 1 or 2 o'clock. We've been in there almost 12 hours. So the coldness of Lake Huron was getting to us. I can't tell you exactly. All I can tell you is... Dwight was talking. I was like, gosh, you know, I was praying, Lord, please don't let him go into this late stage. And all of a sudden, Dwight got up, jumped over to the boat to the left-hand side, and swam away from us. The only thing I can think is in his mind, he was in stage three. He probably saw a beach or something and just started toward it. I heard the splash. I turned around. I was kind of dazed, too. I said, Mark, and Mark tried to swim toward him, and we're yelling, Dwight, come back, Dwight, come back to the canoe. We heard the splash, and then we didn't hear anything. And then Mark came back, and so now you got two people, and it's probably around th 2, 3 o'clock, okay? Now, the wind and waves keep going, but they're starting to die down a little bit, and we're halfway through this channel. Mark's on this side. I'm on the other side because we want to be in the middle to stabilize it. This is the only thing we have in well over 23,000 acres, square acres of water that we can hang on to. Now, we're praying that our friends made it. Maybe they saw someone. Maybe there's a fisherman, if you like the fish that's out there, that can find us. We're praying, okay? But we don't hear anything. Now, time passes. I'm going to say it's probably around 4.30. And all of a sudden, Mark kicked the canoe. And when he kicked it, I was right over there. He's, I had fallen asleep. Had Mark not kicked the canoe, I'm not sure that I would have woke up. When he kicked the canoe, he slammed my head up against the canoe, and I have a little scar here. And I looked around, and I felt, and I thought, Lord, I'm bleeding, okay? But I looked around, and I saw my friend with his ear in the water. And I knew I had to do something. And to this day, I don't know how I did it, okay? But I got him in the canoe. He was probably about 185 pounds, a soccer player. I got him into the canoe, I went over the canoe, and I rubbed his arms and legs. And I said, Mark, we're, it, it's going to be daybreak pretty soon. Mark, stay with me. Mark, stay with me. And at first he talked a little bit. 
But then he started going into the later stages of hypothermia. And I knew I had been in the water now almost 15 hours. I knew I was starting to freeze. And Mark would start slumping down more, and I was hurting through here. So here's what I did. To this day, I don't know how I did this. I got in the canoe. Now, mind you, you're sitting in water, okay? So right now I'm doing this with you, but you're sitting in water in Lake Huron. I got in the canoe. I was about right here. I grabbed Mark, and I took him, and I straddled his body across mine because I know with body heat that may be somewhat I have. Now, first of all, I want to stop and tell you something. If we peed that night, excuse me for being blunt with you, that was the only thing that was warm. And trust me, we were happy to pee in Lake Huron because we're like, woo, love it, pee a lot. You know, we didn't do the second, I don't think, none of us, all right? But I was like, woo. And so I didn't have any more. You see, I was dehydrated at that point. So I was sitting here with Mark. Well, I was trying to straddle this canoe like this, okay? And I'm wobbling it, and I grab Mark. And I'll go back over here, all right? I grab Mark, and I put him right here because he's not coherent right now to keep his head above water. And I'm praying, Lord, please help us. Please send a boat. A few minutes pass. I can't tell you the time. And Mark stops talking to me. Can you still hear me okay? All right. And then after he stops talking, I notice that his eyeballs, just like I said about Brooke, his beautiful eyes are totally black. And I'm real close to him. I mean, I'm right on top of him, folks. He's right here. And I was praying, oh, Lord, please help him. Now, I want you to stop for just a minute. How many of you are parents? How many of you have parents that are praying parents? I want to tell you what happened 500 miles away. I call it a GMC, okay? Let me tell you what happened 500 miles away. My mother woke up, and I'm going to sit here until I finish here if that's okay. My mother woke up that day, and it was about 4.30 in the morning. My mother's gone to be with the Lord. Her name is Edna Steele. I had praying parents. She got saved at a Billy Graham crusade. How's that? Thank God for Brother Billy Graham. And I asked her to come be baptized. She said, sure. She assured her salvation. She got baptized with me that same day. And Mama changed. Mama had been raised a real hard life. Mama changed when she gave her heart to Jesus. And so... She got up back in Melvindale Allen Park, 500 miles away, and God said, pray for, your, pray for your daughter. She thought it was my middle sister. I have a wonderful middle uh, Her name is Carolyn. I love her to death. Uh, uh, she lives in Upper Kentucky, and Carolyn had not made such wise choices at that time, had been partying, and Mom wasn't sure how much she'd been doing. She went and got a drink of water, and she went to the bathroom, and the Lord said, go pray. Go intercede for your daughter. She got out in her lazy boy down in 4.30 in the morning, folks, and she said, oh, Lord, please, please don't take my daughter Carolyn. Please don't take my daughter Carolyn, Lord. She has a life to live for you. Oh, Jesus, please don't take my daughter. Bring her home safely tonight. Lord, don't take my daughter. Lord, she's got a legacy for you. Lord, don't take my daughter. And she cried. My mama was hard not to cry now. You mess with mama, make her cry, you better run, all right? Or when she's very, you know, sincere. Because my mom, I don't know if you had a mom like this, what she said you did, okay? Um, that was how it was. It's like if E.F. Hutton talks, Edna talks, you listen, all right? 
She was an introvert, not like her extrovert daughter, okay? She got up, and the Lord said to her, he gave her peace. But she didn't know, folks. It's my praying mama. Was praying for her youngest daughter. 500 miles away, sitting in a canoe with Mark, his, bless him, his head right in there and praying, Lord, help us. And Lord intercedes with my little mama. I'm talking to you parents right now. When you get that call from God and listen to somebody that knows, when you know something's wrong with your child, you get up and you go pray. I don't care where you're at. You pull over on the side of that road and you said, Lord, I'm here. I'm interceding. If it's someone in your family, don't you throw that off. That's the Holy Spirit. And I'm telling you what, they're GMCs, and they're all over my story, okay? And my mama prayed, and I believe my mama, Lord heard my mama, because I'm still here, and one day I'll see her in heaven. Okay, let's go back to the story. I'm, that's okay, I've had heart surgery, so I can cry at a dime, okay? All right, Mark's head is right here. Folks, a few minutes stops, a few minutes goes. I had Mark right here in my arms in my elbow, and he stopped breathing. He stopped breathing in my arms, and if you know anything about CPR, you all and any nurses in here, or anybody in medical, you cannot give CPR on a surface that's not solid. I pulled Mark up as close as I could. I breathed three to four, about four breaths into him, and I'm praying, and he comes back. He breathes about two to three times, I could hear the gurgling in his lungs, and he dies in my arms. Now, I want you to understand something. I saw that lighthouse, and I prayed, oh, Lord, but I knew he was gone because I saw his eyes. And you don't know me. My students know me. I'm not one that's like, mm, I'm not that, okay? I am just as black and white as they come as far as realism. And... Um, I want to tell you, I had no, no pee, I had nothing warm, and I want to assure you people of something. That day, in the morning, probably close to five, a beautiful young man named Mark Tauby went to be with the Lord, and I knew. And you know what happened? I did not see anything, and I did not, you know, like, you know, to see a flash and all that, but I can assure you, you have a soul. Because when Mark left this earth, I felt the warmth go past my chest and ascend to heaven. And I remember thinking, Lord Jesus, welcome him to your kingdom because he's just left this earth and standing in one of the most beautiful places. And I sat in the canoe for a few minutes. I knew I had to do something. I'm going to be graceful and get out of here not land on this thing here. <laughs> I knew I had to do something. So I'm going to talk to you right now. Go ahead to the next slide. This is Cockburn Island. It was about a mile and a half away. The sun was coming up. Have you ever been out when it's like really dark and in the morning you can see the, the sunrise rising over the horizon? Well, that's how it was that day. And so I could see it and I had Mark right here and I had a decision to make, and God is impressing right me right now to tell you this. Some of you have a big decision to make. 
I can feel it. Some of you are in the, one of the worst storms in your life. You see, mine was physical, but we all have storms. Some of you right now do not see the horizon. And I'm talking to young folks right now, my young folks. I've been around too many students, about four in my lifetime, that I stood on their coffins. And I'm talking to all of you. It doesn't have to be young people either. Depression and anxiety, I'm going to talk to you. The enemy wants you to realize you are not powerful. Did you hear me? I was a 20-year-old kid, and I had a choice to make. Do I stay comfortable where I'm at in this canoe and pray somebody helps me, or do I ask God and tell me to get out of this canoe, girl, and get your butt to, to Cockburn? And you know what? I got out of the canoe, I knew Mark was gone, and I started swimming. Now, let me just tell you, I've been in the water 16 hours. How many of you love bananas? I eat a banana every day. I got the biggest Charlie horse. I turned around and went, oh, Jesus, help me, Jesus, help me. I got the biggest Charlie horse. I thought, please don't let me go down with those stupid Charlie horse, all right? I got to the island, and now the sun's coming up. Let's go to the next one. I was on the other side of that island. Okay, now read this. I got home three days later. This was on the front page of the Detroit Free Press. The circulation at that time, I was on the front page with a picture. This was the lead story with a close to about 450,000 subscriptions, not counting the people that bought it in the stores. So probably that day, 600,000 people in the state of Michigan saw this, okay? And when you look at that, and you see, I want you to look at that. 15 hours, folks. What I tell you, how much? 50 degrees, right? I shouldn't be here. How many of you know that right now? I'm going to tell you some other stuff. All right? Oh, gosh, it's 1235. I'm sorry. I'll, I'll be brief. All right? You have to buy the book, I guess. I don't know. <laughs> All right? All right? And so here's what happened. I started swimming. I got to that shore, this little orange life jacket. I fell everywhere. If you'd have seen me in there, I was like a drunk because I hadn't been on land. I walked toward that, uh, remember that, um, the flashing light there, the lighthouse? Guess what? I got to it, huge, big black box with enough wires to wire Corbin and possibly London. I got up, flipped it up there and thought, well, I'll flip a switch so maybe someone can see it. No, there was water there. So all I could think of was, girl makes 15 hours, walks to an electrical box, flips the switch, dies because she electrocutes herself, but buddy, she got a good perm at her funeral, all right? That's just how it is. I thought, no, 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 no. So I left that, you know, just like it was, basically flipped and started up. And then I heard what Dwight said, Cheryl, when you get there, there is a road right there. Go south. I thought I heard the road, but actually what I heard, Pastor Sean, was an airport about eight miles away. I went up there, and if you look at that, how long did I walk? Five hours. Now listen, folks, this is wilderness, okay? There were poisonous things on Drummond Island. I've often thought, can you imagine those, those angels? Ding, 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 ding. <laughs> Put me over there. Don't go over there, girl. Don't go over there. Go there. And that, here's what happened. About five hours later, I came smack dab right where Dennis is at. I could see Mark out in the canoe. I came and did a 180 and came back right where I was at. 
Now it's about 1 o'clock. If you've listened to what I've said, I've been going about now 25 hours. I sit down for the first time. I'm, I'm sweating, actually, because I kept moving. I take that orange life jacket off, and I get down, and I was like, Lord, you got to help me. I can't do no more. You ever been like that in your life? Lord, I've had it. I remember sitting there and thinking, Lord, I don't know if Sally made it or Dwight made it. Lord, I can't do no more. Oh, Jesus, send me some help. And these stupid little squirrels over there. You ever been out in the woods and they're like, dah, 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 and it's like a big bear? I look over and I thought, dang, I'm in some black squirrels, right? And so I went down again and I prayed. And I said, Lord, I'm at my wit's end. I don't know what to do. How many of you are like that sometime in your life? Have you been like that? Maybe you have a family member that's sick, excuse me. Maybe something has happened with your children. And I want to tell you, God's there. You just have to listen. God is there. Don't you give up on him. Because here's what happened. And this is my witness. And you can go to the next one. I call these GMC, God made coincidences. My mother prayed at the right time. Remember that? Look up here. If it wasn't sunny that day, if it was overcast, this girl named Cheryl Stiltenza would not be up here talking to you. I would have died. I needed an external source, the S-O-N, to save me that day to give me warmth. But I already knew the Son of God. I knew if I died, I would stand with, my, with, with Mark, you know. And I want you to look up here. And you, I want you to quote that with me. Can you right now? It is always darkest before the light comes to dawn. Maybe that's your life. And I'm going to tell you something. Are you listening to me? Listen. Hold on. Did you hear me? Hold on. Don't give up. Young people, you know where I'm at. At Corbin High School, don't you dare think about taking anything with your life and going out out of here. Because you know what? That's life's a vapor. This is going to pass. Hold on. Grab a life jacket. Grab a friend. Tell people you need help. There is no stigma with that. Hold on. And you know what else? Let me tell you something, older folks like me. You know how sometimes we pretend, mm, we got everything together? I've got some friends over here. I can call them. They're my tribe. They'll be here just like that. Now, they're not like the, those people that say, I'm going to go kill somebody. You know that commercial? I'm going to go kill somebody. Can't ask no questions. And then Lynn says, what car are we taking? All right? She won't do She won't kill. But how many of you are lucky you got friends or family that's there for you? And you can be real. You got to be real, folks. All of us go through storms. But who is your anchor? Who is your anchor? Who's holding you? Because I'll tell you what, people die. Your parents die. You might have a spouse, something happens. You might be a divorced single woman. You hold on. You hold on because God's there. Let me tell you what happened. You ready? Right around the side over there, on that one side I told you, it was a blind side. They had to beep when they came across. Ladies and gentlemen, that day I saw the prettiest little yacht I'd ever seen come right across. I waved that life jacket. The man stopped, saw Mark. I yelled, hey, need the, need the U.S. Coast Guard. I don't know where my friends are at. Please, please call the United States Coast Guard. He did, okay, started calling. His wife was a dietitian um, in a smaller town around there. And so anyways, he starts calling it. I didn't realize that I was in Canada. I, I knew I was, but you know, I just didn't register. 
and they called the, United, uh, the, the Canadian Mounted Police. So about that time he calls and I'm waving and then it's God's my witness, that's what he said. That's why I know the Lord has a joke, you know. Lord made us, he's funny, all right? All right, here's what he says. Young lady, I'm like, yeah, that would be me. There ain't nobody else on this island, you know. <laughs> Young lady, and I'm like, yes, sir. Can you swim out to us? I just bought this yacht five weeks ago and I don't want to get it scratched because there's rocks. <laughs> Have you ever had a moment in your life I was on that shore and I looked around like, cut, okay, let's take a 10 minute nap, you know, one of those, let's go get us some lunch. I felt like I was in a movie. I looked around and I said, really, Lord? I was like, oh my gosh. And Holy Spirit said, get your booty going. I got back in that water, it was freezing. I swam a mile up, to, well, it wasn't a mile at that time, I swam up to him. She grabbed this in, he grabbed this in, had 140 pounds to pull up and I couldn't pull no more. They called the Canadian Mounted Police. We were waiting for them. He circled about a mile and a half around. And over in the distance, I saw two of these bobbing with their heads down. And I knew that Dwight Hirschberger and Sally Coon, my friends, had joined Mark. And Mark joined them a little later. Now, I want to say something to you, and I'm going to ask the Lord right now just to give me just a second. I just keep getting this. There's so many of you in hard waters right now. I just keep getting that God's saying, tell them that I'm there, and tell them to quit playing games. Put that mask away. Do you give a flying flip? who next door, next to you, do you think they're, listen, folks, I got to tell you something. I learned at 20. If it would have been up to me, I would have wanted three other people to be here celebrating 4th of July, but it wasn't up to me. And you know what? Look, a mama praying, the sun is shining, a boat comes around, okay? And I have some liver damage. Anyways, make a long story short, you can read the book. I go to Traverse City. This is when I knew God has a purpose for all of us. I came in and I had some liver damage and they put me in there. They were afraid I would go into shock. Um, I'd have, I had hypothermia. How many of you ladies remember those hot maternity blankets when I had the boys? I had 40 on me. Did you hear what I said? They, didn't, they, had to order, they had to get some more from another hospital. I was doing this because they had to bring me back in, out of hypothermia, okay? That was at Cockburn when I was in there. I get over to Traverse City. I meet my, uh, I meet my mom and my sister and my niece was at camp that week. They take me in this hospital, and I'm like, I'm exhausted. I can't, I can't even put a vice grip up. I mean, I have torn down muscle. I'm exhausted. I sit on this gurney now. You got to know I'm only 20, and I'm not married right now, okay? I'm on this gurney, and the most girls, listen to me, whoo, most drop-dead gorgeous man I've ever seen in my life is my physician. I mean, he's like, whoa, Mr. Dreamy. And I was like, woo, I'm alive, you know, <laughs> I'm alive. And my mom was about over here where Caitlin is at, and there's Mama Bear, Edna Steele. So he's coming, and I can just see him right now. He's got the blue eyes and his little wavy hair. I'm like, woo, well, Lord, you did good with this one. Woo-hoo, baby, all right? I got a hunker over here, all right, okay? So I'm married thir 35 years, so anyways. So what I was going to tell you is I watched him, and I thought, dang, you're good looking, all right? And he's like this, and he takes that little thing, that little pad. I'll never forget this. And excuse me, but this is what he's going to say. 
young lady, young lady, do you know you're not supposed to be here? And then this is what he says, what the hell? Young lady, young lady, do you know you're not supposed to be here? Do you know you should have died in Lake Huron? I'm thinking, so pretty, but the elevator doesn't go to the top. (laughs) I'm like, dang. Well, he wouldn't stop. He kept saying that. Now, I had just been through the most traumatic thing in my life. I'm an only survivor in Lake Huron for about 16 hours in 50-degree water, and I'm here to get some help from this guy. Well, he keeps going on. Okay, you women and her mamas, what does my mom do? Mama Bear gets up. Mama gets a hold of him. Ta-ta, buddy. All right? Mom's going to spec you from here. to. to she's not going to hit you, but she's going to know emotionally you better back off this cup. And she gets up, and I thought, ooh, I'm in trouble. And I looked at him, and about that time, a tear started dropping down. Because really, he's getting on my last nerve, okay? And I said to him, I looked at him, and I said, you know what, Doc? I'm sure glad you're not in charge. And the nurses are like, they were so quiet. I don't, I don't know what kind of doctor he was, maybe. I said, I'm sure glad you're not in charge. I said, I know my friends are gone to be with the Lord. But I also believe in Romans 8.28. I know that all things work together for the good, and I'm going to trust in him. And I know my God died on the cross for me, and my sins have been forgiven, and I believe one day I'll be united with them. He looked down at me, and to his, to his credit, he patted me on the, with his gorgeous blue eyes, <laughs> he patted me on the hand, and he said, Cheryl, you don't know. You're so young, but you don't understand You, honey, are a miracle baby. They will look back, and scientists will have Cheryl Steele, and I'm married now, Tinsley, but Cheryl Steele, and they'll have five question marks behind her because there's no way on God's earth you should be breathing. Scientifically, they can't argue with me. Do you understand that? I don't want to argue with them. I just want to tell them what Jesus did for me because I'm going to let the Holy Spirit go. And I said to him, I said, Doc, I said, I believe in God. And he said, Basically, that's obvious. And he says, what you don't know, and this is when I got it. He said, I'm an atheist, Cheryl, and you just walked my world. You just rocked my world. It was like a lightning bolt hit me. And I thought, I'm getting it a little bit. I went home, and you can read the book, and you can go to the next one. I'm going to show you my friends. This is Dwight Hirschberger, okay? Um, He's just a hoot. I want to show you what was at his funeral. I didn't go to the funeral, and some of this is on their gravestones. Read this verse. As for me, may I never boast about anything except the cross of our Lord Jesus Christ. Because that cross, my interest in this world has been crucified. The greatest use of life is to spend it for something that will outlast it. The reason I wrote this book is because it was time for me to tell my story. My kids are raised. You can read how God brought it together. You can read about how these parents. You know what? Listen. You all that are parents, you know you'd want to know the last few minutes of your child's life. That's the hardest thing I ever did in my life was meet those parents. I'd never met them and tell them the last few minutes of their child's life on Lake Huron. And they've come back together, and you can read it. Um, Dwight's parents have passed. They were very, very sweet. Um, But this is Dwight, my friend, okay? And there's the next one. This is Sally. She's a hoot. Her family, there's about eight of them. You'll read about a guy named... uh, Jim Kuhn, who's her father, who's 90. You can go to the next one. I got to see them up at their house in Gaylord. And I need to say, look at that. That was in her Bible. Does my life compel someone to fill the void if ever I need to go when I'm gone? 
All right, and then the next one. This is a picture I took of him on Monday. I was an amateur photographer. The next one. That's Mark's. 18. So you think that old, that old people are the only ones that die? Go to the next one. Read this. Folks, I want to end today with this. And thank you. We started a little late, but I realize I've talked a long time. Thank you for your patience. But I want to tell you this. Life is but a vapor. I have a good, a good friend of mine that's a teacher, lost her daddy on Friday, or I'm sorry, on Thursday in a car accident. Just going out to get some stuff at a farm thing. And today I'll go to the visitation this afternoon. Now, her daddy lived a beautiful life. He was a wonderful man. I know he's in heaven with his wife. But what does your family look like right now? Are you being the leader? Young people, you don't have to be old to serve the Lord. You serve him now. Look at David. You look at David. You be bold. You be bold. And look up here. In a little while, folks, all of us are gone from this earth. Let's just get real. No one wants to look at death. But when you look at death, then you can understand life. I've been around now for quite a few decades. I thank the Lord every day. My butt should have been gone. I'm so thankful. I had two boys. God allowed me to see them be raised. But you know what? That one right there and that one online named Robbie Tinsley, God has things for them. But you know what? They can't go off of mommy's relationship. Oh, no, you can't go off of mommy's. Mommy's a strong Christian. Daddy's a strong Christian. No, you have to have your own relationship. You have to come to God as you are. You don't save yourself. And please, listen to me. Don't you go out those doors without having, listen to me. Bow your heads right now, please. I'm going to ask you right now just to be with God and ask him what he wants you to do. Because I really feel that some folks really need to get together with things, okay? And I'm going to ask you too. I'm not going to make you raise your hand. But if you need to come to the altar or in your seat and make it right with God, please, if you accept the Lord as your Savior, we're all sinners. God went to the cross for us. It's a free gift. You just accept it. You don't have to do nothing for right there, folks. And listen, be real with him. If you think, read my, I, I can't even tell you. I yelled at God. If he hadn't taken the nightmares away, I would have killed myself. I know that. But he did. And he can use you in a mighty way. I've got a unique story, but everyone out here does. So I'm going to be quiet and let you talk to God for a minute. thank you. Thank you today, Lord, for the gift of life, to be breathing and to, to be in this auditorium. And Father, they came here, they must have been curious about you and about a story of the miraculous miracles that you've done in my life. Father, I pray right now that you give them courage. Holy Spirit, just knock on that heart. And folks, get real if you need to. 
life is but a vapor. Make those decisions, Lord. Help us all to get out of our canoes, Lord, every day and to press forward because we know, Lord, that you are right beside us. Holy Spirit, come and be with our hearts. We'll thank you and praise you in all things, God. We bless you in Jesus' name.